do, 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 do. Here we go. My name's Todd Adams. This is Kathy Adams. Welcome back to Zen Parenting Radio. It's a podcast, everybody, and this is episode number 252. So if this is your first one and you like what you hear, then you have 251 more to go to catch up. Like from Say Anything. Go back. Go back. Ha! <laughs> um, why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel good. I oh, know. Because you'll, feel, you'll outstanding. feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? I do. And always remember our motto, the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. The topic, you ready, sweetie? Where's my drum rolls? Where? That's my symbol. Mm-hmm. Sex education. Yes. You ready? I am. So Disclaimer? I, yeah. Uh, we're being very thoughtful about the clips we're using and the language we're using, but um, we want to tell you that we're talking about sex ed. So if you feel like you should listen to this at another time and not in the car with your kids, that's fine. If you have really young kids, it's not like we're going to swear or anything like that, um, but uh, you're going to have to decide for yourself. Yeah, uh, but we were purposeful on the clips that we chose. Most of them are going to be coming from John Oliver. And um, most of them are metaphorical. Yes, yes. Uh, but if you are confu- not confused, but if you're just not sure, listen to it without kids around. Sure. Um, but it's it's pretty pretty light. I think it's pretty important. And my mm-hmm. suggestion would be if you had a child who was of an age, I don't know, middle school. Yeah. Maybe listen, listen to this to it one. with them. Yeah. I Maybe mean, that's easier than sitting down across from the kitchen table with them having one of the many because people who listen to the show know that sex talk is not a single event. Yeah. It is a discussion that we have with our kids that is ongoing. Yes. So maybe this is something that you can listen to with your child. And I think really what the show is about is expanding our understanding of why sex ed is so valuable and why it's so important. Um, but at the same time, it, it just opens up the discussion. Mm-hmm. So if you're, if you've been waiting or not sure how to bring up this subject with your child, this might be a way to do it. So I woke up this morning, I played basketball, and on my YouTube feed, uh, there was a um, Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. I don't know if you guys know what that show is, but it's on HBO. John Oliver is a former correspondent for The Daily Show. Kathy and I are big fans of uh, John Oliver, and he dedicated this show to sex education. So we took a few clips, and we're going to play them for you here and comment on them. So, ready to jump right in? Sure. All right, so this is the first one in no particular order. Looking into sex ed programs this week, the answer depends quite a bit on where you live. There is no required standard for sex ed in this country. In fact, only 22 states mandate that kids receive it, and only 13 require that the information presented be medically accurate, which is crazy. You wouldn't accept a history class not being historically accurate. (laughs) Prince started the American Revolution in 1984 and his purple reign lasts until the present day. Class dismissed. (laughs) We essentially have a weird patchwork system that varies wildly, and not just from state to state, but from district to district and even from school to school. In fact, one Ohio newscast tried to find out what kids in their area were learning and hit a brick wall. The state has no, absolutely none, sex ed guidelines, so each school district decides what's best for whatever kid. Many school districts don't want to talk about it at all. You see students polled every school district in four southwest Ohio counties. The majority wouldn't tell us what they teach and when they teach it, even though all of this is supposed to be public information. And that's really not good, because two teenagers shouldn't have completely different levels of sex ed just because they're in two different school districts. There you go. Um, So, do you want to comment first? First, I want to start with a few things. Number one, one of the things that's very important to Todd and I is humor. Not humor to make fun of something, but humor to talk about things. Meaning a lot of times we're so rigid and so, like, you know, we're unable, there's like unspeakable things we're not supposed to talk about. And that keeps us stunted and keeps us from being real. So I'm saying that because John Oliver is using humor mm-hmm. um, to discuss something that's super important. Sure. And I think that for those of you who maybe are uncomfortable talking about sex or hearing about sex, take a deep breath 
and know that this is the way to get through it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to laugh a little bit and not just at what John Oliver is saying, but at ourselves well, and go ahead. and <clears throat> why and what we have learned that's kept us so locked up about these conversations. Yeah, um, it's I, I can't think of the word, but removing the blank from the conversation, um, the he- heaviness, the heaviness, the stories we've been told, the shame around it, yeah. the biases, the, um, you know, the things that were fed to us very early on that are now in what I like to call and what many people like to call the cellular memory where we don't even know why we feel ashamed. Yeah. We don't even know why we can't talk about it. We don't even know. And so if we use some laughter and humor and open this story up, it makes it a lot easier to process through difficult things. Mm. The other thing I wanted to say is this is not a story. You know, what we're talking about today is not about what the schools should be doing. Right. That's a piece of it. Yeah. But we have to understand in every community, the schools are made up of families and parents. Yep. And it's not just about the school, the school. No, it's us. It's we, us. We should have some influence on what it is our kids are learning about. And part of what John Oliver talks about, this is not a clip we're going to play, is whenever sex ed gets brought up in school districts, there's always parent protest. Mm-hmm. And when I say protest, I don't mean unified protest. Yeah. But there's always these sections of, I don't want my kid to see this. I don't want my kid to hear this. This, this teacher stepped Sweetie, over the line. Sweetie, how do you know? Are you some type of sex ed teacher? I am a sex ed teacher. What does that mean? What do you mean? Um, well, many different things. Um, I work with children who are in fifth grade um, and teach them about the basics of sex ed. I've also worked with parents, and you have too, with mm-hmm. me, and I teach parents about how to talk to their kids about sex ed. I also, previous to all of this... Um, when I worked at Children's Memorial, had to talk to the teenagers about sex ed. And I've obviously worked with a lot of people, women, men, um, who have been dealing with their own sexuality and sexual issues. So, so your opinions is, are coming from actual experiences of you teaching absolutely. at schools and everything else. Absolutely. And my belief system is, and I'll just say this uh, right up front so you guys know where I stand, I think it's vital. I think that the idea that not teaching sex or not talking about sex somehow keeps our kids from being curious or investigating sex is um, very short-sighted. And what we tend to forget is who we were yeah. when they were when we were their age. Right. Information and empowerment and open communication are the tools to keep your kids. Yeah, go one direction or the other. In their right mind. And our direction is more communication, the better. Education, man. Information, access, and education. So for those of you who, um, just as a resource, we have had many discussions about sex on the show, but there's two in particular that I want to point out. Um, Very early on, our eighth show we ever did, uh, the title of the podcast was called How Do You Feel About Sex? And it's sendparentingradio.com slash eight. So if you're interested. Wow, that was early. And then the other one was, we titled it, We Choose What's Familiar and What It Means to Be a Sex Positive Parent. And that's at zenparentingradio.com slash 187. That's our 187th um, podcast. So uh, anything else before we move on? Um, Just that. uh, I was... Uh, trying to think of something that John just said. Oh, just about, again, school districts and what they're teaching. Um, Of course, as parents, we can influence the schools. But really what Todd and I hope in the bigger picture is that the parents not get involved in what's necessarily taught in the schools, but create these discussions at home. Because it's one thing, like, for example, when I do teach uh, sex ed in the schools, I am there for one day for about two and a half hours and that's it. Yeah. And so then, if you're leaning on the kids, on yeah. the schools to teach your kids about sex, you're putting yourself in a position to possibly have some issues later on. And I say to the kids, when you go home. Talk to them. Talk at, tell your parents. How many of you think them actually do that? Uh, very few. Very few. Yeah. But I also say to the parents, because I meet with the parents before I meet with the kids. Yeah. And the parents are, majority of them are lovely. Most. They're all lovely. Right. Um, but there is a lot of fear in that room. Well, I, and that's the thing. Um, and we've already done a show about this. How do you feel about sex? But the reason a lot of us parents are uncomfortable talking to our kids about sex is because our we don't have our own baggage issues cleared up. So we haven't even looked at them. We haven't even looked at them. Yeah. So anyways, and that's the thing is what they get concerned about. They ask me very specific questions. What are you going to say about this? What are you going to say if they say this? What are you going to say if they say this? And 
you know, I understand that. They're the parent. They have every right to ask me that question. I don't make fun of that. But what I'm telling you, energetically, I feel so much fear in that room. Right. And this is something that sex ed- education is, and we'll get into this more at the, the end, but this is a lifelong thing. Yeah. This is not something that your children are going to like learn about and then we can go, whew, yeah. let's move on. Check that off the list. We want them yeah. to have a positive sexual identity. Yeah. And we'll talk more about what that means, mm-hmm. but every child who comes into the world is a sexual being. Yeah. That's it, for, it's where we all came from. For people who are like, well, we're only here to procreate or, mm-hmm. you know, well, if that's true, right. <laughs> then we have to have an understanding of what that means, how our body works. Right. And I think because of our own fear, shame, guilt, we keep all of that quiet. And that is why our children run into issues. Yeah. Okay. Um, so before I play this next clip, I do want to ha- give a shout out to our first partner, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care. Uh, Dr. Kelly's website is chirotree.com. She adjusts our family bi-monthly, and she's very good at what she does. Her phone number is 630-941-8733. So that's Dr. Kelly from the Tree of Life. So here's our second clip from John Oliver. But, but this idea that sex is something which devalues those who've had it, particularly women, crops up again and again. Non-virgins can be likened to a used toothbrush or a chewed-up piece of gum. And then there is this video in which a non-virgin on her wedding night is compared to a dirty shoe. Michelle, what are these? My sneakers. But Michelle, what is this? this? It looks like the entire football team has been in these things. I, mean, I, I made them all wear socks. Socks? Michelle, socks don't protect my heart. You can still get foot fungus with socks. I wish I could go back in time and make a commitment to be abstinent until marriage. That is heartbreaking. And not just because he's shaming his wife, but because Michelle, socks don't protect my heart, might be the funniest line ever delivered on this show, and we didn't write it. All right, so that's kind of a, you know, once again, humor humor to bring and, and that video that you guys couldn't see of the man and the woman they are dressed as if they just got married yeah and so and he's holding she's up in shoes. a wedding dress and he's in his tuxedo and he's holding up shoes saying you know he's using the shoes as a metaphor mm-hmm. you know looks like the whole football team has been in here what are you thinking right talk about shame yeah and the idea that that kind of thinking and again who's that focused on the girl yeah that that kind of thinking will keep our daughters, keep them mm-hmm. from having sex. Well, we elected, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, we elected not to play another clip yeah. that was very. Um... Oh, the language is just stronger. Yes, yeah, strong language. So we, did, we elected not to play it. But it, safe to say it was very shame inducing yeah. and fear inducing about any boy or girl who chooses to engage in any sexual sexual activity whatsoever, not even intercourse, any activity whatsoever. So let's talk about what's being taught in the schools and what uh, John Oliver is speaking to. A lot of money, governmental money, has been put into abstinence-only programs. Let me be clear. If you are young, if you are a teenager, obviously abstinence is the best choice. Yep. Nobody, I'm not sitting here saying, no, I think that, you know, other things are better choices for them. Of course, abstinence is the best choice. But if you work with the population of teenagers that I have worked with, and if you work with young children, you know that that is not always the reality. And that if you, you know, and I'll, t- I'll say this, Todd, just to kind of give us a... Um, a frame of reference here is a lot of times when I work with parents um, about how to talk to their kids about sex, what the parents, often moms, say to me is, I don't want my children to make, to make the, the same, same mistakes, mistakes that I made. made. Which usually when we break it down means they had sex too early, mm-hmm. that they, they believe it was yeah. now too early. Um, they chose to do things out of lack of self-esteem or inability to use their voice. Um, they The way they feel about their history now kind of bogs them down. Um, a lot of shame. Yeah. And so what that ends up being is because we have all those feelings about ourselves and about our choices – which may or may not have been good. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of those things where I, I don't know the, the the stories and their wholeness. 
we take all that fear and we project it on our kids. And so then they walk away with, they don't even know what we're talking about because we're working from fear and not giving them any story. We're communicating things uh, from our perspective with our history and our story. Our child doesn't know any of that. So all they're receiving is... Scary. Scary. And, whoa, I'm not going to talk to my parents about this anymore. Or, whoa, I'm having all these sexual feelings. What's wrong with me? Or, oh, my gosh, my best friend just had sex. You know, how do I deal with that? Um, and the thing is, is I what I often say to parents is please do your best to go back to that time in high school or whenever, college, for some Middle school. Mm-hmm. And I know that scares people. And it's the truth. I, but it's the truth. Let's just deal with what's real. For some. For some. For some, you know, Todd and I have had these discussions because where I came from, it was these kind of discussions were a lot earlier. Mm-hmm. I saw, um, the, I remember some guy friends of mine brought a condom to school when I was in fifth grade. Right. I remember in middle school um, knowing a few people who had had sex. Which is just crazy because we have a seventh grader. Right. And Todd went to an all boys school all and boys he school. had a different experience with what he was exposed to. And I'm saying those, those perspectives because Todd and I, I'm speaking for both of us, we're not all or nothing people. Mm-mm. I know that some places it's not the same as others, yeah. but if we can use the same kind of dialogue where we are being open and communicative and we are not putting shame and fear around sex, then it works everywhere. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, I don't think we have to say, well, this community doesn't need to worry about it, but this one does. I think that can be... Every community needs to worry about it. Or if not worry about it, they need to be thoughtful about yes, it. They needs need to, to make do it things, priority. need to be proactive and about it. community means families, parents. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, I think I got on a tangent about something else. I got off um, what I was saying. So to your <laughs> tangent woman. Oh, okay. Here's what I was going to say. This is, this is kind of a different thing. But a few things that I want you guys to understand about what we mean when we mean sex ed. It's not all about sexual intercourse. Mm-hmm. When I talk to fifth graders about sex ed, it's about understand your body parts and understand the opposite sexist body parts. Mm-hmm. Understand anatomy. What is going on in your body? How do you feel about your body? One thing, because I work with girls primarily, is I talk about how amazing their bodies are. Yeah. And I don't mean how they look on the outside. I mean how amazing... It is what happens to our body as we go through puberty and the fact that we what a period is and what's happening when we're having a period and why that's happening and the the craziness of that we're born with eggs like th- when we are in the womb mm-hmm. we have all the eggs we need for a lifetime I just learned that like a month ago I know I thought this is how stupid I am I thought that girls reproduce two new eggs every month Yeah and we had them when we were infants. Well, you, I think you had them when you were born. In utero. Yeah, mm-hmm. in utero. So all my daughters, my three daughters, have all the eggs that they right. ever are going to have. And by the time they have their period, they've lost like significant amount of them. Right. A lot of them have already you right. know, dissipated. Right. But that's those kind of basic things about what's going on in your body. The fact that we aren't telling children these things, why? Mm -hmm. And that is not about sexual intercourse. Mm -hmm. That's about when when Todd and I talk about sexuality, it's about sexual anatomy. Mm -hmm. It's about sexual feelings. It's about sexual emotions. It's about sexual healing, sweetie. You should have had that ready to play. That would have been perfect. That would have been good. Um, But as you're finding Marvin Gaye, the thing that I will say is that we... um, One thing that I always tell girls, boys, and parents is you have to remember that sexuality is not just a physical experience. It's an emotional experience. And that's the piece that a lot of kids, teenagers, college students miss is they're so focused on the physicality and what they haven't been told, you know, that they're doing their own research and they, they don't learn that there is emotional aspects involved. And that's what adults, we adults are now looking back on our history and realizing how we completely separated from our emotions, that we pretended we weren't hurt, that we pretended we weren't connected, that we pretended we didn't care. And we did. Mm. And that's the kind of information that our kids need. Do you understand that sexuality is a, you know, use a spiritual experience, a spiritual and emotional, because that integrates us. 
that makes us whole yeah. versus it's no big de- no big deal to do this or it's no big deal to do this or this is a big deal and this isn't it's all a big deal mm-hmm. but at the same time that doesn't mean that we say it's off limits to discuss right so i also want to bring up something that's pretty important when it comes to sex education and what a lot of the um education is focused on oftentimes the person who is really uh made to be more fearful and um, shamed are the women or the girls double standard there's a lot of focus on what girls should and shouldn't do what people will think of them if they do why they why if they do they won't be respected why they won't be loved why nobody will want them Mm -hmm. and somebody that's come out as a uh, really strong um, sex education advocate and also not just abstinence only Mm -hmm. advocate is um, Elizabeth Smart right and for those of us who don't know who Elizabeth Smart is, who is she? So many years ago, Elizabeth Smart was abducted out of her home, and she was taken by these two people who kept her captive for years. Yes. She eventually escaped, um, but like many stories like this, she was sexually abused while she was in their care. Yeah. Or not their care. She yeah. was sexually abused while she was it with them. Yeah. And um, so imagine a girl who's young, who has been told through her own sex education experience that people who partake in any kind of sexual activity are worthless. Mm-hmm. And how does she deal with that. from that? Yeah. So why don't you play that clip? From Before I play that, um, I did read a book. John Krakauer is one of my favorite authors. He wrote Into Thin Air. He wrote the Chris McCandless story, which is called... Into the Wild? Into the Wild. But that one is called Under the Banner of Heaven. So mm-hmm. if you like John Krakauer, but he... It, it talks specifically about the Elizabeth Smart case, among other things. Oh, it's a lot about what about religious fundamentalism and things like that. On her side or on her captor's side, like captor's side, captor's like, side. Yeah. So he was a fundamentalist. Um, the Krakauer tracks just religious fundamentalism and how it messes certain things up. Got it. Okay. Like really extreme. Okay. Things. Anyways, that's just a, a really good book. So okay. here's uh, Elizabeth Smart on John Oliver. And that that kind of message can be hugely damaging to anyone who hears it, especially survivors of sexual assault, like Elizabeth Smart, who was kidnapped and assaulted at the age of 14. And you may recognise one of the metaphors she remembers one of her teachers using. She said, imagine you're a stick of gum, and when you engage in sex, that's that's like getting chewed. And then if you do that lots of times, you're going to become an old piece of gum. And who's going to want you after that? Well, that's terrible, but nobody should ever say that. But for me, I thought, oh my gosh, I'm that chewed up piece of gum. Learning nothing would have been better than learning that. It's not a great reflection on her teacher that kids who were sick that day got a better education than she did. And the sad thing is, sex ed, when done well, can do so much good. But when it's done badly, it can do real harm. Take consent. So we're talking a lot about, um, let's put it this way, teaching that you and I don't necessarily agree with. There's probably a million other good systems in our country that teach very good sexual education. So I just want to make sure that it's easier to... um, Uh, talk about this when we have these extreme examples to kind of give us a better awareness. Well, and I think the, the, the being an old shoe, being a chewed up piece of gum, they've been cycled through the years. Like these are things that I think parents continue to tell their kids in an effort to keep them from doing something. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like putting some reins on them. Like you'll end up being, you know, a chewed up piece of gum or you'll end up having a reputation rather than taking the time to really talk to them about who they are, why they would do what they do, what the feelings that they're having are about, how normal it is to have sexual feelings. It's the whole point, you guys. Yeah. As we're growing up, the whole idea of puberty and growing into ourselves, you have sexual feelings. So to tell children, and I'll use teenagers because that feels yeah. more comfortable for sure, to tell teenagers that having those feelings makes them bad mm. or makes them, you know, you know, not be respected or whatever language is being used is so detrimental. And one thing that I, 
that I just heard the other day that I thought was very well said is when we use fear and shame and guilt and we're kind of just going on autopilot to talk to our kids about serious things, we are not controlling or changing their behavior. We're changing their inner working. Yes. We're changing the way they view themselves. We're changing the way they view sexuality. We have a culture that is very pornography rampant. Mm-hmm. And part of the reason, I'm going to say part because I don't study mm-hmm. why, you know, besides the fact that we have such crazy access to pornography now, part of the reason is because repression. Repression. Yeah. We have taught so many generations and continue to pass on this legacy of sex is something that we need to push down, not look at, not talk about, be ashamed of, feel bad about ourselves, hate our bodies. And so people go they go dark with mm-hmm. it. They end up sitting in a room on a computer watching something because they don't know how to deal with what they're feeling. Right. And that is why a lot of the pornography out there is so negative and so violent because it's been undiscussed. These are like, you know, people are making these pornographic movies and writing these scripts. And they need to stretch it and get it as more extreme because, you know, the people who watch it get... Um, used to it and they need, need something more. Always yeah. need to take it up a level. And it's very, um, you know, talk about looking at women as objects. It's obvious that that's what's going on on these sites. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole because they, a lot of these people haven't been able to have true intimacy mm-hmm. or access with a woman. Yeah. And and when I say intimacy, again, I don't always mean sex. Yeah. Intimacy, connection, understanding. Well, and so they mm-hmm. it ends up going anything we resist persists. Right. And it doesn't always persist in a healthy way. Well, and you know, to the the, the access to porn, I, I don't know if we've talked about it on the show. I know we've talked about it off off when we're with friends or whatever, but it is uh, so accessible and so, for lack of a better term, bad. If I had a son, which I don't, um, I would find a f- platform for that son to see what, aside from like sex ed videos, healthier forms of intimacy. Or read. Or read. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of the above. Right. But um, if you don't create any avenue for your I'm, – I'm speaking specifically to parents of sons, then they're going to find something else on their own. Yes. So you might as well find something healthy for them to read, see. Something that's a more realistic relationship. Yes, Because yes. what's being put out in pornography are not real – these are people's fantasies. Like, like put it this way. I'd rather have my kids have access to rated R movies so they get a taste of what this is because if you say no rated R movies until you're 17, well, that 15-year-old is going to get online and, and find his own thing. Right. That's all. And also letting them know that because they're going to be exposed to things, it may not be in your home. It may be something that they're present for. Um, talking to them about there are things you are going to see that are not reality. Harming a woman, Mm -hmm. um, disrespecting a woman, taking power over a woman, these are not intimate acts. This is not what a woman wants. These are not, that is not what sex is about. Like, and you're talking about um, sons. We have daughters and the same kind of conversation needs to happen that you don't have to be a certain way. See, because it's on the other side. Because mm-hmm. a lot of girls mm-hmm. buy into the culture of they need to be sexualized yep. to have any form of connection or boyfriend or intimacy. They have to be a sexual being to be appreciated. Yep. And for as much as we would say, oh, no, that's ridiculous. How many of you in your own life feel that you need to be sexualized to be appreciated by men? Right. I mean, or if you don't now... Or did you at some point believe that that's who you needed to be? And that's the discussion that needs to happen with Mm. your daughters. You need to remember to, instead of repress everything that happened to you and push it down and pretend it didn't happen, that can be the best conversation. You don't have to share every detail. You don't, and again, child developmentally appropriate. A conversation with a fifth grader is different than with an eighth grader, which is different with a junior in high school. You have to be thoughtful. But, you know, at the same time, pretending that what happened in your generation is not happening now is... um, Ignorant. 
Yeah. I mean, we have to be open. Um, and there's probably, there's listeners that have teenagers and there's listeners that have young kids, have young kids. Uh Um, in our opinion, the, 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 you know, it's got to be appropriate, but the sooner you start, don't wait for the kids to learn. Don't wait for your children to learn from their friends in second grade of whatever anatomy parts or how things fit together. We were very proactive in engaging in this conversation with our daughters earlier rather than later. And again, it starts with them understanding their own bodies, the normalcy of understanding your body, the normalcy of sexual body part words, Mm -hmm. the normalcy of talking about it in the home, recognizing that that's a big piece of who they are or a piece of who they are, and that we're not going to shy away from that discussion. That's what starts early. And then as they grow up, that gets more layered and gets more layered. Layers, layers, layers. layers. So you have a a ground. You have have a a foundation. Um, Because a lot of times we... If kind of my mindset for myself with my children is I know they're going to hear things from their peers. There's no way I'm going to stop any of that. They're going to see movies. They're going to hear songs. I'm very in tune with what's going on in reality. Yeah, they're going to see billboards and magazines. Of and sure. But I would like to be the first person who brought it up. Yeah. So because a lot of times the going backwards can be different or difficult. If I'm ready to talk about something with them, let's say let's make it really typical puberty their period. Yeah. If I'm like, okay, now I'm ready, and they've already had ten girls tell them their perception, they don't want to hear it from period, their mom. They don't want to hear it from their mom. A and B, they're less likely to believe what I'm saying because yeah. they've already been told by their peers. If it starts early enough, where they're hearing it from me first, yeah. and this is what it is, and this is something, this is not something to be ashamed of. This is an amazing part of how our body works. This is. Every woman, 51% of the population has this experience. Here's what, you know, if it's it's held up in a way that's honorable, then when girls, boys, whoever tells them a negative perspective, they're not as likely to integrate that. Yeah. They may hear it and they may think about it, but they've already heard once well, and that it's not <clears throat> negative. We have three daughters <clears throat> and you have taken the lead in this, but this doesn't mean I sit on the sidelines and don't no. do anything about it. I've had some of these conversations with our daughters. So I say that out loud to make sure dads, you are not off the hook. No. And <clears throat> we don't have any sons, so I don't really know how we would have handled that, but I assume I would have taken the Probably lead. Probably started. And I think that makes sense. Like, and again, there are many single dads and so they, they'll have to take the lead and then some, but as far as anatomy having the conversation with understanding your own body, but having Todd's perspective on agreeing with these things like, yes, you know, women's bodies are amazing and what they can do and understanding what puberty is, understanding that he plays a role in, you know, making sure that if they have any questions that they can come to him, that's vital too. Right. Because if they feel like their dad doesn't care about that aspect. Right. You know, it's a, uh, it, it's. It speaks volumes. It does. Um, we're going to play another uh, clip, but first I want to talk, secondly, I want to talk about our second partner, John J. Kelly, dentist. Um, he does comprehensive dentistry. He does everything that uh, any dentist do, but what he specializes in is kids with, um, that are about to get into the braces period of their life. And he focuses on uh, airway, you're literally how you breathe and facial development. So if that interests you at all, um, both of our daughters are going to him right now and can't say enough good things about him. Website is chicagodentistonline.com. Uh, you ready for the next clip? Uh-huh. Boxing. If both people didn't fully agree to participate, one of them is committing a crime. <laughs> and abstinence-heavy messages do not help this. They spend so much time on the importance of saying no, they can leave out what informed, enthusiastic consent looks like, or even worse, suggest that it's all one party's responsibility. Like in this video from a programme called Sex Smart about fending off unwanted advances. Maybe we should have sex, you know, to prove our love for each other. Do you really think we're ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Oops, that didn't work. (laughs) For each other. No. Does that mean no? Or yes. One more try. This time, say it like you mean it. For each other. No way. Finally. Mm. 
Maybe we should just get to the concert. Wait, wait. They were already late for a concert, but he felt there was still time to have sex? That is a teenage boy with a very accurate sense of his abilities. But, but much, much more to the point here. Much more to the point. It's good that that girl was being taught that she has the power to say no, but nowhere in the video do they point out that that guy should have been a lot better at hearing it. And it is weird to gloss over something so appalling. It's like that moment in Greece when Kaniki sang, tell me more, tell me more, did she put up a fight? That's the point they should have stopped the whole song and gone, wait, what, what the f did you just say? What is wrong with you, Kaniki? What is wrong? You're a monster and you look 40. <laughs> and, and when... Nikki. Um, so that's once again, I mean, there's so much attention that put that that is put forth to make sure our daughters um, understand how to say no. But I feel like in a lot of instances, the boys are getting a free pass and they're not getting the education that the girls are getting. As far as saying no, the boys need just respect that word. Yes. And not and not just respect it, but understand that no means no. And and again, that is being so cliched and overused. But what messages have we been sending our boys that when a girl says no, that that means he should push it further and and put up a fight and, you know, ask her in a different way. Like he's been given messages from society, from peers, from music, from movies, whatever, that it's his job to get her to do it. Mm -hmm. Not all boys. Yeah. I mean, of course, I always feel like I need to tell you guys that we're talking, we know the gray. We yeah. know there's plenty of boys that would never do such a thing. And we know that there's some boys that could care less about what a girl says. Mm -hmm. And they, they, you know, they, so we know that there's a spectrum, but why not make it a normal part of sex education to talk to boys about what consent means. Right. Now, maybe it is a part of sex education in some ways, but when we're talking about abstinence, mm -hmm. and if we're doing abstinence only, that's not even going to be brought up. Yeah. Right. Because they're they're already saying don't do anything. Right. So there's no room for those discussions about what sex what could be sexually abusive. Right. Um, so vitally important. Last clip. Um, can I say something sure. real quick? Because I don't want to forget. One of the most important things, and like Todd said, you can go back and listen to our um, old podcasts about sex ed and how to talk to your kids about sex because obviously there's no way we can repeat everything. But one of the most important things if you're like, okay, I don't even know how to start, is what do you want your kids to know about sex? And 90% of the time when I ask that question to a room full of parents, they have no idea. I'll say, what do you want your kids to know? And they'll sit there and look around at each other. They haven't even thought about it. And why that's so – and I'm doing that on purpose because that's been our experience over and over well, and over it, again. You're shining – you're showing – you're putting a shining mirror a in light, front yeah. of them mm -hmm. saying, if you don't know, then your plan isn't very well planned out. Not only are you not prepared, but your children aren't getting a clear message. Yeah. If you really have a message – and again, for some of you, it may be abstinence. And if that is the case, at least open up the conversation about yeah. the sexual feelings they're going to have. At least normalize what's changing and happening in their bodies. At least make sure that there's communication around the way that they're going to be feeling in their teenage years. Right. And then for those of you that want to open up the conversation even wider to have abstinence being, you know, obviously a great choice because it keeps everybody safe, yeah. but also opening up the conversation to if you do choose or if this is something that is happening, you know, going on with you or, you know, someone that you've been, um, let's, you know, we have to take it to college age because – People get so uptight about this. Right. Um, but if you are in a long-term relationship or you do feel that you're ready for this or whatever language, then please be wise about protecting your body, about protecting your partner, about being thoughtful about how your body works, that, okay, from a girl perspective, that you can get pregnant, and from a both perspective, um, sexually transmitted diseases. Yeah. I, I just was telling Todd about certain tr sexually transmitted diseases that he had never even heard of. Yeah. And he's a 43-year-old man. Yeah. These are conversations people need to know. Yeah. Well, and like the whole, you know, we're kind of fast-forwarding this argument to, say, college years, but, you know, the whole idea of, um, where was I going with this? Uh, 
birth control pill. Yeah. You know, sure, you're probably not going to get pregnant, but it doesn't do diddly squat for STDs. Correct. At all. Right. So I don't know. It's just a weird thing. Like I remember in college, my friends and I, oh, well, she's on the pill, so it doesn't matter. Right. Oh my it gosh. It does matter. It does matter. If you are not in a monogamous relationship, yes. which oftentimes in college, yeah. there there's some monogamy, but there's not a ton. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just what we're trying to teach our kids is not something just for junior year of high school. Yeah. We're trying to teach them something for a lifetime mm-hmm. because there are pl- plenty of women in their 20s and in their 30s and in their 40s who need to keep the same things in mind. Yeah. This is not just about teenagers or kids. We need to teach people to take care of their bodies, to understand their bodies, to not feel shameful about their own sexual feelings and to understand what it means to be in relationship, if it be for with many different people or if it be a monogamous relationship. we The conversation is essential in every aspect. One other resource I want to give to our listeners is uh, there's a TED Talk um, by a woman named Gail Dines. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, D-I-N-E-S. And the title of the TED Talk is Growing Up in a Pornified Culture. I don't know if you've seen that one, but mm-hmm. I saw it. I and it was, it was really good. So just do a what, Google search. What makes it good? Uh, she's just, she once again shines a light to what it actually is for a 13-year-old boy and what he has access to and what he's seeing. I mean, she goes to all the sites. Pornified culture. Yes. Got it. Okay. So wow. anyways. Wow. It's, it's kind of like the video games. Yes. You know, I, you know, used to do talks about media awareness in video games and there's some pornography in video games you know women getting raped Mm. women getting urinated on Mm. um we we i know we would like to say no not my children or they'll never get exposed to this but they might go to their friend's house who's playing that damn game and so if the conversation is open if the communication is open if they know you can handle the conversation they're gonna be a lot more likely to either come to you with a question or know that this isn't reality. Right. This is not what I'm seeing right now in this Grand Theft Auto is ridiculous. Yeah. Nobody should treat a woman this way. Right. Or I would never treat myself that way. Because that's the thing we forget about with boys is if they are at a point where they're raping or urinating on a woman, something is going extremely wrong within them. And there's a lot of people that are like, what are you talking about? That doesn't happen in that game. Yeah, it does. And yes, it does. Yes. Um, all right. So last clip of John Oliver. There is no way we'd allow any other academic program to consistently fail to prepare students for life after school. And human sexuality, unlike calculus, is something you actually need to know about for the rest of your life. (laughs) And maybe you and your family live somewhere that has good sex ed, in which case, congratulations. But if you don't, this video is for you. So then they go on to play a funny video. But the reason I wanted to play that clip is... It's so much safer for us parents to um, spend so much attention on how our kids are doing in school. How are they doing in history class? How are they doing in, like he says, in calculus? Obviously, that's for college students or maybe it's in high school nowadays. But we just put all this energy towards these things that odds are they're never going to need. I took business calculus. I don't remember diddly squat about that class and it didn't help me at all. And we can all say the same stories about some of the silly things that we learn in school. Yet something as important as sexual education is ignored for the most part in our culture. And not, and if not ignored, then what's being taught can be really harmful to the inner workings of these kids yeah. and teenagers. I remember, and I think I share this on a show, but at the end of last year, we were so busy with so many things and I got a call to do a, uh, a sex ed talk at a, a Catholic school in Chicagoland. And I was like, oh, it doesn't work in my schedule. But all I could think about is then who is going to teach it? Yeah. Because I have heard so many horror stories about, um, especially on the girls' side, yeah. um, because usually when I do go in and teach sex ed, there I teach the I talk to all the parents, but then I take the girls and there's another social worker, a male, who takes the boys. And I have heard so many horror stories about girls walking out petrified and hearing awful things and scary things and feeling worse than they did when they walked because in the room. Because there's a teacher there that is there to scare them. Yes. And yeah. the and so that I went. Mm-hmm. I was like, if I'm asked to do this, you gotta go. I gotta go. Because this is when the girls walk out, 
all I all I can tell you is again I don't know what they're bringing home I don't know what they're saying to their parents I hope there's conversation after the discussion but I feel like they're relieved mm-hmm. who I am is okay I am normal what I'm feeling is typical all women are feeling this there's nothing to be afraid of it's a very and and so I'm telling you this because what if you guys took that angle in your head. I want to teach my daughters and my sons that there's nothing to be afraid of, that this is a normal part of growing up, that they always have choices, that sexuality is an emotional and physical experience, and that I'm always available when they have questions. Mm -hmm. Imagine if you took that approach, how differently they would view themselves and the world. Yeah. Um, So... It's kind of late. Okay. 48 minutes in. Do we want to do the Amy Schumer thing or no? Um, We could just tell them to Google it. Okay. So there's, uh, if you go to YouTube and go Inside Amy Schumer, there's a spoof that she did on Football Town about Friday Night Lights. Yeah. But it's called Football Town Nights. And she tries to talk about something very seriously in this whatever skit or whatever. She doesn't talk about it seriously. She talks about something serious. Serious in a funny way. Thank Mm -hmm. you. And, but it's about the rape culture. I mean, you know, college campuses, it's rampant. We deliberately removed things out of this John Oliver clip because it Was talked it, about yeah. some pretty severe things. Um, so. Just about the he, – he, and we won't get real deep into it here, but he pulled out some clips of like students at Yale. Saying no were, means yes, yes means blank. Yeah, and – these are students at Yale. Yeah. 6% of the population get into Yale and they still don't understand consent or a certain part of them don't understand. I'll consent. put the um, the whole uh, John Oliver thing on our show notes good. so you can watch the 22 minutes that it is because it's really good. And the Amy Schumer clip that Todd's talking about, I've shared it with a lot of people um, because it's an eye opener mm-hmm. as far as it's it's you it's funny it's a parody it's meant to make us laugh but it makes us laugh at something that is so ridiculously true yeah. that it allows us to have a conversation yeah. and that's why I'm a big fan of Amy Schumer because she has a way of bringing up um issues that I think are feminist issues but also issues of all of us yeah. and how we don't talk about things yep. like why is this happening and no one discusses it. So um, one resource I want to share with our listeners, and this is only for the people who listen like right when our podcast comes out, but I'm a big fan of stargazing uh-huh. and there is uh, it's called the Perside meteor shower and it's going on 11, August 11th, 12th, 13th and 14th. But the best day is going to be on August 13th, which is I think on Thursday. As evening deepens into late night and the meteor shower radiant climbs higher in the sky, more and more meteor streaks uh, the nighttime. The meteors don't really start to pick up steam until after midnight. So you got to, you know, stay up late or wake up really early. Usually don't bombard the sky uh, most abundantly until the wee hours before dawn. But it's supposed to be pretty incredible because of where the moon is and everything else that it's going to be really dark skies. You may see 50 or so meteors per hour in a dark sky. Did you hear that, sweetie? I, I did. I'm 50 excited. meteors in a dark sky. Give yourself at least an hour of observing time for these meteors uh, as they come in spurts. Um, so anyways, just uh, I, for those of you who think that that's as amazing as it is, um, that's another resource. So. So I wanted to share something to end the show. Um, One of the things that Todd and I have been asked about a lot and we even talk about a lot is why our show is called Zen Parenting Radio. Um, Obviously, the parenting is obvious, but why Zen? And I think everybody has their own feeling about what that word means. And I think when we first started, a lot of people we even knew well misunderstood that to mean some kind of religion. And first of all, just so you know, Zen is not a religion. Um, Zen actually, I kind of feel like it's more of a feeling word. But I wanted to um, read you a few things about Zen really briefly. And I think I'll continue doing this as we go through shows just because I want to give you an idea of what kind of mindset um, where Todd and I are trying to speak from and trying to open up people's thinking to. So Zen is both a practical and a spiritual path. Practical because because it is firmly grounded in the here and now and spiritual because it invites us to see the essence or sometimes called the emptiness behind the world of appearances. It is also practical because it helps us to live a life spontaneously, even joyously and spiritual because it enables us to see the sacredness of the very fact of existence. 
Zen has something to teach people from all faiths or from no faith. Hmm. So that's yeah. very important to understand. This For is us. not a religion. If you have a religion that that feels so good to you, Zen can make it even better. Enhance it. Enhance it. If you don't have a religion and you just dogma doesn't work for you, Zen can help you go deeper into yeah. yourself. So it works on both levels. Because Zen is refreshingly free from dogma, Zen can help us lead richer, less anxious, more compassionate, and ultimately more effective lives. And this is the last thing I'll say about it. Zen is like a wise and compassionate friend, humorous and enigmatic. Thank you. Challenging yet supportive, old as the hills, yet young as a new day, ever present around us, yet located deep inside. That wise and compassionate friend is none other than our true nature. That is why this show is called Zen Parenting Radio. I couldn't have articulated that on my own. This right. is from a book called Discover Zen, and I, I've been picking up books about Zen, not so much because I feel like I need to have a statement about it, but I wanted to share different perspectives on what Zen is on the show, because that's why if things we talk about on the show tap into your true nature a little more, that's why. That's that's, right. that's what we're trying to bring. Sweetie, speaking of Zen, what about my Zen finance oh, yeah. workshop thing? Zen finance class. It's starting in September. If you're interested, the information will be on the show notes, but basically... And actually more than that, because nobody goes to the show notes. I love you, and I love that you talk about the show notes, but I don't think people really go to them. Do you? If you're listening to our show on your phone, yeah, all you got to do is click our picture and it will invert itself ah. on your phone and the show notes will be right there. Really? So a lot of our listeners listen on their iPhone or on their Android. So you just click our picture. Click our picture, it will inverse and then our show notes will be right there. Okay, so you can go show notes. You can also go to zenparentingradio.com and click on events. And basically what it is, is I read an amazing book called Money Master the Game by Tony Robbins. I learned a lot of good things about it, but I, what I realized was I wasn't putting a lot of the steps into action. So basically I'm creating a support group that I'm a part of and we're going to go through this book and basically take this knowledge and put it into action and actually make some things happen. Because one thing I learned about Tony from Tony Robbins when we went to his workshop is knowledge really isn't that valuable. Nope. What's valuable is when you put that into practice. That's right. And that's what this is all about. But it's limited to only 12 people. So if you're interested, it's going to be six sessions starting in September. The information is on the show notes and also on zenparentingradio.com. Click on events. Yeah. And we had a few iTunes reviews, but we'll have to save them for next time. But please uh, give us an iTunes review and we'll do our best to, uh, you know, give you kudos for doing that for us. And yeah. thank you for sharing our page and our talking to friends about what we're doing here. And um, don't forget about our last partner, Avid Company, painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area, uh, avidco.net. Correct. Anything else, sweetie? No, I think that was good, and I'm glad that you chose this as a topic because even though we've talked about it before... It's not going away. We're going to keep talking about it when it comes up. I know. It. I mean, just because these are the pieces of ourselves that we need to reclaim. Yep. We, we can't look away. This is If we really want to be our whole selves, then we have to look at every part of who we are. That's right. And sexuality is one of them. All right. Uh, thank you for listening. We'll be back next Tuesday. Have a good one. Have a good one. Bye.